Please give ear to the reading of the, the gospel lesson for this morning. An account of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar. And Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Aram, and Aram the father of Amminadab, and Amminadab the father of Nashon, and Nashon the father of Salmon, and Salmon the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of King David, and David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah, and Solomon the father of Rehoboam, and Rehoboam the father of Abijah, and Abijah the father of Asaph, and Asaph the father of Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat the father of Joram, and Joram the father of Uzziah, and Uzziah the father of Jotham, and Jotham the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz the father of Hezekiah, and Hezekiah the father of Manasseh, and Manasseh the father of Amos, and Amos the father of Josiah, and Josiah the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. Yes, there still is more. <laughs> and after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Salathiel, and Salathiel the father of Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel the father of Abiud, and Abiud the father of Eliakim, and Eliakim the father of Azor, and Azor the father of Zadok, and Zadok the father of Achim, and Achim the father of Elihud, and Elihud the father of Eliezer, and Eliezer the father of Mathan, and Mathan the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called the Messiah. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. <clears throat> May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. My addiction to genealogy began about 36 years ago when our family moved to Minnesota, and there I discovered my Swedish ancestries in a country cemetery and I began to inquire about them. And my search took me to the local Mormon Family History Center where I was able to find microfilm records of my ancestors in Sweden. And then about 15 years ago, with evidence in my briefcase, I traveled to Sweden to meet my living relatives and to share my information. Now, this information that I had discovered in Minnesota was the proverbial skeleton in the closet. It seems that when my father had immigrated to America from Sweden in 1912, the ship manifest listed him as Eric Anderson, not Eric Froman. Now, my dad never told any of the five children about this, and I found out about it about a decade after his death. Further, my research revealed that my grandfather, Carl, was also called Anderson, but his mother was Inga Froman. 
the plot thickens. And obviously, we're now clearly out of the closet. And what I discovered in the Swedish Lutheran Church microfilm was that my grandfather Carl was listed in Swedish as Oekta. There was a note right after his name, Carl Anderson Oekta. Now, this is not even the polite Swedish word for illegitimate. It's the word which best translates as bastard. And further, I found out that his mother, that is my great-grandmother Inga, had two other children out of wedlock, and each of her three children had been born in a separate place with no father listed, and each child was labeled bastard. So when I visited my nine-year-old cousin Ingrid and shared this information with her and showed her the microfilm photocopies, she looked at them very carefully and put them down and then slowly explained that our common great-grandmother Inga Froman was an indentured servant who traveled from farm to farm year after year working as a common chore girl, in other words, a Cinderella. Her father, Lars Froman, was listed in the church census as blind drunkard. So how's that for pedigree? Pointing out Inga's age as somewhere between 32 and 35 years when her three children was bo were born, it was a detail that I had missed. With sad eyes, Ingrid looked at me and said, Roderick, our great-grandmother was probably raped at least three times. So what had started out as a scandalous but amusing story about a hot-blooded and irresponsible teenager who had a love child turned out, sadly, to be quite ugly, and then it dawned on me. There are two sides to genealogy, ancestors and descendants, and I am the great-grandson of Inga Froman. I am the progeny of a rape, and it is as simple and as difficult as that. I must have had a dejected look on my face because Cousin Ingrid brought out my great-grandmother's psalm book, and inside the front cover of that psalm book was the 193-year history of its ownership. Inga, born in 1826, gave it to her daughter Lovisa, born in 1857, who gave it to her son Axel, born in 1889, who gave it to my dad's sister, Aunt Jenny, in 1900, who also gave it to her daughter Ingrid, born in 1911. Then, right then and there, Ingrid gave me the psalm book. The symbol of the psalm book was quite clear. Even though my great-grandmother was the lowest of low in 19th century Swedish society, even though she had been abused and raped, and even though the church considered all of her children bastards, through the symbol of the psalm book, Inga had passed on the Christian faith to her children and grandchildren through five generations and finally to me. And I wept openly. What is a blind drunkard, a rape victim, and a bastard doing in my family story? They are my biological ancestors for sure, I cannot change that. 
But not only are they my biological ancestors, they are my spiritual ancestors as well. Without the rape, without the psalm book, I would not be standing in front of you today. There are two sides to genealogy, ancestors and descendants, and it is as simple and as difficult as that. Well, for sure, it's not one of the regularly read Christmas stories, but it's right there, right at the beginning of the Gospel of Matthew. The account of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob. Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez, and Sarah by Tamar. And then finally, we come to, and Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called the Messiah. And then, after the genealogy is concluded, Matthew editorializes by saying, now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place this way. When his, Mary, when his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, dot, 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 and then the story becomes very familiar. Actually, Matthew's genealogy would fail the Ancestry.com authenticity test. I just finished seven weeks of teaching the Gospel of Matthew at First Presbyterian Church at Pittsford, and we looked at Matthew's genealogy. And what we learned is this. Matthew was not interested in biology or genetics, but in making a theological claim. So in his geological, genealogical list, God is the hidden ancestor in a messianic story, which is inclusive extending to women and men of all generations. Now Luke, in contrast, also has a genealogy, but it's a reverse genealogy. It goes from present to past, but it lists only men. And further, Matthew has 27 generations between King David and Joseph, but Luke has 42. Well, what gives? Well, Matthew is not interested in biology or genetics, but in making a theological claim. So who were those folks? We, we recognize a few, you know, David, Solomon, Abraham, the marquee names. But what about Rahab? And what about Tamar? You remember Rahab, don't you? Everybody remembers Rahab? Well, right there in the middle of the genealogy of Jesus the Christ is Rahab, just in case you forgot. Rahab the Jericho prostitute. That's right. Rahab the prostitute is the great, 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 great grandmother of our Lord. That tends to kind of great on one's sensibilities, doesn't it? We think, what is she doing in the story? Do you remember the details of the story of Rahab? Rahab lived in Jericho just before Joshua fit the battle of Jericho. A few years earlier, Joshua had led a group of spies to reconnoiter the city for conquest, and I guess they got distracted as soldiers do and when they're spying, and so their undercover work got them in trouble at Rahab's house. And it seems that the local block club crime watch committee was alert that night when some foreigners stopped in for a little R&R. And when the police arrived, Rahab hid the spies on her roof, and then she lied to the police 
and then later dispatched the spies out a window by way of a rope so that they ended up outside the city walls. Now the trade-off, or maybe the more modern terminology here would be the quid pro quo for this protection and escape was that Rahab asked for mercy from the conquering Israelites when the walls of Jericho came tumbling down. So what did she do? She hung her trademark scarlet thread out of her window and Rahab and her family were the only ones spared when Joshua finally did fit the Battle of Jericho. And you can read all about this in the first sixth chapter of the book of Jericho in the book of Joshua in the Old Testament. Well, that's kind of interesting. A prostitute and a liar, but a seedy sort of person is listed in the Bible as the great, 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 great grandmother of our Lord. And yet, to be fair, Rahab is not the only seedy person listed in the genealogy of Jesus. There's the desert sheik Abraham, a polygamist, a polytheist when it was convenient, and a worshiper of Yahweh when it was convenient. And then there's the lustful David, whose ancestry, now get this, whose ancestry is traced by Matthew to Jesus through the child whom King David fathered with the wife of one of his generals while the general was at war. Uh, the name of that child by the wife of Uriah the Hittite, Solomon. Also listed in the genealogy of King Ahaz is another famous person of ill repute, Queen Jezebel, who gave birth to yet another ancestor of Jesus. There are other victims in this genealogy too. Tamar is listed. She was raped by her father-in-law, Judah one of the 12 sons of Jacob. And the product of that rape, Perez, is one of the ancestors of Jesus. So, did you know that Jesus had so many skeletons in his closet? Merry Christmas. <laughs> so who exactly can be an ancestor of Jesus? Well, Matthew seems to be saying just about anybody. And why? Well, the biblical answer is because God chose them. Remember Ogden Nash's little phrase, how odd of God to choose the Jews? The Bible is very clear and plain about this point, as Ernest read in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 7. It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love upon you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all peoples but it's because the Lord loves you. The biblical writers bend over backward to make the point that it was out of love, out of the love of God, that God chose Israel. Now all of this goes to show that what counts is what God does with us rather than what we do for God. Yes, despite our good or our bad pedigree, or our greatest mistakes, our lives are redeemable for the greatest good. So there you have it. Right there in the middle of the genealogy of Jesus, Rahab the prostitute is minding her own business, looking after things at her place, when the Lord, 
through two frightened spies, asked her to mind the Lord's business for a change. She said yes, and therefore is listed among the ancestors of Jesus. Now, as we have said, there are two sides to genealogy, ancestors and descendants. So, if Rahab the prostitute, Tamar the rape victim, and David the adulterer can be ancestors of Jesus, can the illegitimate offspring of my great-grandmother Inga Froman, herself a victim, be the spiritual descendants of Jesus? And if so, then surely we all can be Jesus' spiritual descendants. And why? Not because we're so saintly, or because we have a great pedigree, but because God has chosen us, warts and all, to do Christ's work. And this is how the descendants of Jesus are made. Not in long bouts of prayer and meditation, although there's certainly nothing wrong with that, and not in earnestly cultivating our better qualities, and of course there's nothing wrong with that. There are two sides to genealogy, ancestors and descendants. And when we say yes to the call of Christ in our generation, then we are listed as Christ's descendants, even if we are the progeny of a rape. And it is as simple and as difficult as that. <laughs>